Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Kaiju Carnage. I am your host, Cal the Kaiju Guy. And today I'm going to be talking about a film where there's really no in-between. You either love it or you hate it from, from everything I gather. I personally am very, very fond of the film that I'm covering today. And it is Godzilla 2000 Millennium or better known as it was released here in the States as just simply Godzilla 2000. Now, before I jump into the episode, uh, I would just like to recap very, very quickly that uh, one of my all-time favorite actors that was very much attached to the Godzilla franchise passed away this past week. Uh, he was Akira Takarada. He was the lead role in the original Godzilla film. He also played in <clears throat> uh, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, Mothra vs. Godzilla, um, Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster. That was my very first interaction with him. And he had very minor roles in uh, some other Godzilla films of other eras being the one of the only actors to appear in all major eras of Godzilla films that's been done so far to this day. And I did a very impromptu uh, tribute episode to him a few days ago. So if you don't have notifications or anything, or if you just simply wait for the Saturday release of my new episodes and everything, the episode that is just before this one, it is titled Rest in Peace, Akira Takarada. Um, if you want to listen to it, by all means, go go ahead and listen to it. If you don't, you know, I get it, I understand. But uh, the episode is really just me uh, being very bummed out, very upset, and briefly talking about the man's career and how much his movies have meant to me because I've been a lifelong fan of him and, and all of that. And he will be very, very, very much missed by millions around the world. So rest in peace, Mr. Akira Takarada. But now that, uh, I've said all that is time to really get back to the movie that I'm here to talk about. Now, this movie, as far as Godzilla movies are concerned, this movie is kind of caught in a very strange limbo. And I'm definitely going to go into more detail with that, uh, with that statement the further the episode goes. But whenever I say it's in a very strange limbo is because the movie was not supposed to exist. And the only reason why it did exist and the entire era ended up existing was because of the failure of the 1998 TriStar Godzilla film, which pretty much forced Toho to say, no, we we need to give the fans something. We need to give them a, uh, you know, a better version of Godzilla than what this TriStar version was. Even though, personally, I enjoy the 1998 TriStar Godzilla I've always enjoyed it. I mean, whenever it uh, <clears throat> whenever it first came out, I was 11, I believe, 10 or 11. And uh, yeah, so I've, I've been a fan of it pretty much ever since its release. But um, there, there were people all around the world that despised that movie with, with everything that they are. 
but the movie was also how a lot of people were introduced to Godzilla. So even though it is not the true version of Godzilla, and it's actually officially been retconned by Toho, making it to where that is not Godzilla in the film, and that it, that it is an entirely different kaiju just simply by the name of Zilla, like, <laughs> you know, um, ah, it is what it is. I've got an entire episode on the 1998 Godzilla film, uh, by, by all means, go check it out. It is dangerously close to joining the 100 Club, uh, one of my episodes that will have at least 100 listens. I've actually got several episodes, about seven I believe that's in the high 90s, like 96 to 99. That'll soon be joining the 100 Club. Um, <clears throat> I know I know that those numbers may not sound like much to you guys and all of that because there are podcasters out there that, you know, they release an episode and within a week they're at three or 4,000 listens or something like that. But, you know, looking way back at the uh, at the beginning, whenever I first started this podcast and all of that, and I would post an episode, and I would go two or three weeks, and I would only have like five listens, three of which were from very close friends of mine. So to uh, have some episodes that are knocking on 100 to release new episodes, and the day of their release, they usually get anywhere between 45 to 50 uh, to 50 listens and all of that. Those Those are huge numbers for me. The podcast is constantly growing um, pretty much on a week-to-week -week basis. I've gotten to where I, uh, I gain probably about 100 listens a week. And that's just, you know, that's something. I, I remember whenever it was, um, I remember whenever it was pretty awesome for me to get like 100 listens in a month. So uh, thank you guys. Uh, before I really jump more into the episode, this is just off the top of my head. Um uh, I'm going to go ahead and say there's a country, Switzerland, has uh, really, really uh, started listening to my podcast. Uh, so who, whoever, I know Noah, uh, that I've called out a, a number of times, is in Switzerland. But whenever I look at my stats, Switzerland currently accounts for 9% of my total listens. And there's like five cities that the listens are coming from. So to my uh, to my listeners in Switzerland, I very much... Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for the support. Um, you know, if you guys do what Noah has done and shoot me a message or leave me some voicemails and all that kind of stuff on my website, just simply go to the website and click on the voicemail feature. You can leave me voice messages and all of that kind of stuff. You know, ask me some questions or, uh, give me some some ideas about some episodes you may want to do may want me to do and all of that kind of stuff uh i would i'll be more than happy to oblige and yeah like <laughs> you know if, if you guys just want to talk um you know i'm always down for that i i very much enjoy talking to my listeners and all of that so thank you switzerland for the newfound uh fans that I have there and all of that. And very recently, only about a week ago, uh, the podcast broke the top 100 in Apple podcasts in the category of film history. I was ranked number 95. So that's a big step for me. Thank you very much. I very much appreciate it to all of my Apple podcast listeners and all of that. Apple podcast is my second largest platform that people listen to the, uh, to the show on. Number one is Spotify so thank you very much for everybody that constantly tunes in to the, 
to the show week after week just to listen to this redneck nerd talk about uh, these giant monsters. So, all right, I've rambled on. Enough about all that. Let's jump back into the movie. Godzilla 2000 is the 23rd Godzilla film that was done by Toho. It is the 24th Godzilla film overall, if you know, you're counting the 1998 uh, Godzilla film. And it is the second reboot of the Godzilla franchise. The very first reboot was done at the start of the Heisei era with uh, Godzilla. Uh, oh my God, I can't hardly talk. The Return of Godzilla in 1984. So, this film, like, as I said before, this film was pretty much made in reaction to the failure of the 1998 Godzilla film and pretty much how Toho and many of the fans felt that Tristar and the writers and all of that completely really butchered uh, Godzilla and his name and his legacy and all of that kind of stuff. So this film was made in direct reaction to uh, the failure of the 1998 Godzilla film. This was the very first Godzilla film that got a American theater release since the return of Godzilla or Godzilla Returns um, in 1984. And this would be the last Toho-produced Godzilla film that would get a theater release until Shin Godzilla came out in 2016. So from the years 1984 to 2016, only three Godzilla films actually got a American uh, theatrical release here in the States. Now, pretty much what happened with how this film coming about was that Godzilla, uh, first of all, I'm going to go ahead and say, I know that every single time I have mentioned the title of this particular film, I know that I'm mispronouncing it. Unfortunately, it's one of those things to where I misread it whenever I first found out about it whenever I was younger, like uh, in my teens, and I've referred to it as a certain way ever since then, even after finding out like, oh crap, that's not even how you say that word, but it's just, you know, it's hard to break that habit. Um, the title of the film is Godzilla vs. Destoroya, but I, I unfortunately call it Godzilla vs. Destroya. I leave out one of the O's, and it's just, it's a difficult habit uh, for me to break. Um, but anywho, Godzilla vs. Destoroya in 1995 was meant to be the final Godzilla film for a decade. And Toho was pretty much going to take a hiatus. They had already, you know, they had decided, yes, uh, Sony slash Tristar was going to be making their trilogy of films and all of that kind of stuff. So Toho was just going to kind of sit back, reap the benefits, rake in some money and all of that kind of stuff from the uh, American production of Godzilla films and all of that. And they were just going to take about a 10-year break. And it, it 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 didn't quite work out for them. Like, <laughs> it didn't quite work out for them at all. Like, because of the failure of the 1998 Godzilla film, not, not only did Toho want to, like, okay, we need to we need to step in. We need to let the world know that this is the real Godzilla. This is what he's like and all of that kind of stuff. But also there was high fan demand that was going on. Like people were taking to the streets 
and, <laughs> you know, like protesting and all of that kind of stuff. I don't know if there was actual like protests or anything going on, but yeah, there, there were, there were people that were like, they were so upset that this movie even got made that they were screaming as loud as they could. They wanted Toho to make another Godzilla film. And so just two months after the 1998 Godzilla film was released in theaters, uh, Toho began work on making this film here in particular. Now, the writers that they got was they ended up getting the main writer from Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla, as well as the main writer from Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2, both films from the Heisei period. And they had another producer that had worked on a number of uh, different Godzilla films. And Toho knew that they wanted something different. They didn't just want to simply continue the Heisei uh, era of films with Godzilla Jr. being the new Godzilla, because that's pretty much how it ended with the uh, Heisei era. They wanted something new. They wanted to do a reboot and all of that kind of stuff. So they intentionally got one writer from one film, one writer from another film, and a producer that was attached to some other films to pretty much put their heads together and be like, you three have three entirely different viewpoints about Godzilla. Y'all need to come together and come up with something that is brand new. It's going to be the start of a new era of Godzilla films and all of that. And, you know, that's just, that's just what y'all need to do. And so the initial plan was to go back to Godzilla's roots and to pretty much see what made him unique. Now, one of the first things that they decided to do with the design of the new Godzilla was to severely scale back his height. Like, they just felt that uh, there was an interview that a someone attached to Toho did one time, and they felt that the Heisei Godzilla had gotten so large, like in height-wise anyway, that it said the distance between humans and Godzilla had become too great. So they wanted to scale back Godzilla's height a little bit and make him just a little bit, you know, more in line with the size of the original. So this particular version of Godzilla is only 170 feet tall. He's only about five meters taller than the original Godzilla from 1954. Now, as far as the suits and the design for Godzilla, I know I couldn't find a whole lot of stuff about uh how the suits were made and, and all of that kind of stuff. I just know a few little details here and there. But uh, I know there were four different suits that were made. Obviously, one suit that was for the suit actor to be able to walk around in. And the rest, these other thing is just going to be me kind of speculating because I couldn't really find anything verifying what the other three were used for. But I imagine there was one that was done mainly just for close-ups, probably a hand puppet of some kind, or for the, um, like, during the big battle between Godzilla and Orga, and there are close-ups of Godzilla, like, biting Orga's neck and all of that kind of stuff. There's there's the possibility that that could have been a hand puppet, but I'm not entirely sure on that, so do not quote me on that. I could be wrong. Um, I'm sure that there was a different suit that was made for the water uh, scenes, whenever he's walking around in the water and all of that kind of stuff, because they usually made different suits because the water would be pretty, uh, 
pretty devastating on those suits whenever they would actually put them into the water. And <clears throat> as far as the fourth one goes, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that there is, I was able to look up and see that there were four suits that were made, but that's pretty much as far as, uh, as far as I was able to figure out anything as to what exactly the suits were made for. Now, the design of this particular Godzilla, I saw one source that claims that it was very heavily influenced by King Goji. King Goji is the particular suit, it's a fan favorite suit, and it's only been seen in one official Toho released film, and that was in 1962 with King Kong vs. Godzilla. I have seen one source where it says that this suit, the Millennium Godzilla, was heavily inspired by the King Goji suit. They do look similar. They do he they do have more of like a more longer snout and all of that. Um, you know, is there any any weight to that? I don't know because, like I said, I only saw one source that said that it was inspired by it. But you know, that could have been somebody just that whoever was writing that particular thing was like, oh well, they look similar, so it must be inspired by uh by that. So, <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and throw out a disclaimer here. Uh, any information that I'm s saying on these podcasts and all that could be subject to change or could be incorrect, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, I find out a lot of the information that I know is already off the top of my head, but then I also have to do research and look up stuff online to look up more of the smaller details and all of that kind of stuff. And nine times out of ten, I'll go to three or four different sources or watch uh, a pretty good deal of behind the scenes making videos like on YouTube or uh, if I'm lucky, usually there's a behind the scenes making of documentary that's attached to the movie, either DVD or Blu-ray that I'm actually watching the film on. And that's where I get my information from. If I see one source say something but that is not repeated on any of the other sources. I either completely ignore that source 100% and say I'm not even going to say that little tidbit of information. Or I do what I just did a little while ago when I say, okay, I saw one source that said this or take this with a grain of salt or, you know, something like that. So uh, if you're ever scrolling through and you see something or some new video comes out and you see something that says one thing even though I had stated something different on the podcast, you know, I mean, <laughs> it is what it is, I suppose. But uh, hopefully that doesn't happen very often. I really try to uh, to say the most updated information that I possibly can for, uh, for the show. Now, uh, all of that, now that I'm through with all that, uh, potentially he uh, heavily influenced by King Goji, this was actually... Believe it or not, the very first Godzilla, live-action Godzilla, that is actually green in color. Now, the Hanna-Barbera Godzilla from the animated TV show, he was green. A lot of the theatrically released posters for the films, uh, they portray Godzilla as being green. But in every single live-action film that he had appeared in so far, he was either charcoal gray or just straight up black. Like, this was the first time that they actually designed the suit with the color green, 
like being his his main color. Um, the dorsals that he has, the dorsal fins, they were made out of fiberglass, believe it or not. They were very sturdy, they were very strong, and believe it or not, some people actually got injured on set because the dorsals would, uh, you know, scrape up against them or something or like it would it would actually cut cut people. Some people had gotten cut from the dorsals. Like that's how heavy duty that they were. They were heavy, they were strong, they were kind of sharp, and people ended up getting injured on set. Personally, I love the dorsal design for the Millennium Godzilla. I love that they're so large, that they're so jagged, that they're just so over the top. I don't know. It's like ever since I first saw this design for Godzilla, I just, I loved it. The Millennium Godzilla is one of my favorite Godzilla designs. Uh, as far as Toho is concerned of all time, uh, my top three favorite designs for Godzilla is, and this is in no particular order, the 1962 King Goji suit from King, Go King Kong versus Godzilla, because that was my very first Godzilla that I ever saw, and I'm always going to have a soft spot in my heart for that. Uh, this particular version of Godzilla, the Millennium one that was seen in Godzilla 2000, Godzilla vs. Megaguirus, and then the two Mecha Godzilla films that were done for the Millennium series. And then last but not least, um, Godzilla Ultima, which is from the anime TV show Godzilla Singular Point. I love the design of Godzilla Ultima. I've got three figures of... Um, this particular of that particular Godzilla, I'm just I'm a big fan. I have so many different fan arts and all that of that Godzilla downloaded on my phone, like it's unreal. So yeah, uh, Godzilla, the Millennium Godzilla is easily one of my favorite designs for Big G of all time. Uh, the dorsal plates are also purple. That is something new because usually the his dorsals were portrayed as just simply being bone white, but they actually decided to make them purple. So not only did he get a skin change color, he also got a dorsal color change. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, as far as his eyes go, like they had gotten to where they had started making, you know, like heads or putting animatronics inside the heads of the Godzilla suits, allowing like for his mouth to be able to move, for his tongue to be able to move. His eyes would be able to move and all that, and also his eyelids would blink. Uh, they didn't really do that with this Godzilla. Like he, I don't, I don't think he blinks at all in the film, and that that's been a complaint for some people. They say it kind of makes him seem lifeless. Um, I'm actually okay with him not blinking. Uh, it just, you know, sorry, that's not something that really bothers me, but <laughs> whether, whether the monster blinks or not. So yeah, that just, you know, whatever. I think that's a, that's a silly complaint for somebody to have, but, um, they made his eyes very large and they made it to where they wanted it to seem as if Godzilla could be looking at you no matter what angle you were you know, he was at, he was standing at. And so overall, the design of this Godzilla, I believe is very sharp. It's very good. I very much <clears throat> love the overall design. He was overall decided to be given more of an animal-like look and feel to him and the way he moves and everything. 
even going down as far, they made his scales and his scars, so to speak, even though he has a very quick uh, healing factor. Um, they made those more prominent in this suit. Like with the Showa era and the Heisei era, a lot of times whenever they would be making the suit and the suit would be made of rubber, they would just kind of simply carve some lines into the suit as they were making it and all of that and be like, okay, that's his scales. But it was kind of slick. Like it was very, the, the scales didn't really jolt out from the suit all that much. But for this one, they actually made the scales far more prominent to where it looks like that they actually, you know, kind of like an alligator. Like, uh, you know, he has scales like going up and like down his tail and his back to where they protrude from his back a little bit and all of that. That's kind of what they decided to do with the scales for this particular design of Godzilla. Now, whenever this Godzilla came out, there was actually mass confusion, um, mainly from American audiences, uh, myself included, believe it or not, um, <laughs> that whenever this film came out, they didn't know what continuity it took place in because the, uh, the 98 Godzilla obviously came out in 1998. This film came out in Japan in December of 1999, just barely a year later, and it was it was given a theatrical release here in the States in 2000. So we're looking at a film that came out only about a year and a half, two years after the 1998 Godzilla, and people didn't know, like, are these films connected or anything? And I'm not going to lie, whenever I was a kid, I fell for it. <laughs> I did. Um, I had a, I can't even remember the name of the magazine. It was, it was some kind of nerdy magazine. Um, something like I, I went to some book club or something like that to buy a book and they let me sign up for a subscription to this magazine. And it was something like, you know, pay $10 and you get 12 issues that would come to you every month or something like that. And so the magazine would come and it pretty much only talked about nerdy kind of stuff and all that. And so I was sitting there flipping through it and, you know, I'm like, I'm like 11 years old, you know, I don't keep up with the new Godzilla films that are coming out that Toho's doing and all of that kind of stuff. So I'm sitting there flipping through the magazine and they always like every month they would put a calendar for the next month saying like what big things were happening, <coughs> pardon me, through that month and way down kind of in the middle. I just saw a picture of this Godzilla, this particular Godzilla, and it said Godzilla 2000 was being released in theaters. And that was the first time I even found out the movie existed. And I'm like, what the heck is this? So, you know, I come running to my dad and I'm like, hey, daddy, you want to go see a Godzilla movie? Because my dad's also a Godzilla, uh, Godzilla fan. You know, he's, he's one of the ones that would, you know, he would bring me the movies as he would be traveling and all of that. And he's like, yeah, I'd, I'd like to go see it and all that. So we, we saw what, uh, what day it was coming out and all of that. And so me, him and my brother all went to go see the Godzilla film. And I believed as an 11 year old child that it was a sequel or in some way connected to the 1998 TriStar Godzilla. But I just thought since the American, ver or Zilla really, since Zilla had died in the 1998 film, I thought that this other Godzilla was 
you know, maybe the baby from the end that had grown up, it just looked different. You know, I didn't know. I didn't know anything. You know, I mean, like 2000, we didn't have these cell phones around where you can just see something and just yank it out and just be like, all right, Google, tell me everything there is to know about this movie and all of that kind of stuff. You know, like I had no idea what the connection to this was. I did not know anything about the backlash that the 1998 movie had, uh, had had towards fans and towards Toho and all of that kind of stuff. And I didn't know that this film was made in total reaction to the failure of that movie. So we go to the theater to watch this film and immediately, you know, once the talking begins and all of that kind of stuff, uh, we notice that the, that it's, it's a dub that the lips are moving one way, but the words are coming out another way and all of that kind of stuff. And I remember being kind of upset, like, Oh no, like this isn't, this isn't a sequel to the 1998 Godzilla at all. This is just, this is another Toho one. And so initially I was kind of upset, but you know, got over it very quickly and just rolled with it. Ended up watching the movie very much enjoyed it for what it was, even though it was the, uh, the dubbed version, uh, you know, now as an adult that I've seen, um, both English dubs of the film as well as, the original Japanese version, the nine times out of 10, the Japanese version is going to be the superior version. And that's pretty much exactly what happened with, uh, with this. So I remembered enjoying it pretty well upon my first watch in theaters. It was the very first Godzilla film I ever went to see in theaters and all of that. But, um, I have since gotten the Blu-ray to the film, which has both the American version and the original Japanese version, um, you know, on that Blu-ray. So yeah, there was a lot of confusion about the continuity of the film and people just didn't know. And they had a lot of, you know, they did what I did pretty much would go in and be like, okay, let's see what this is. Like, oh, well, this isn't connected to the other movie that we just watched at all. You know, <laughs> just <laughs> whatever it is, what it is. And, um, so that's whenever I say that's whenever, that's actually not whenever, um, the deal with the continuity of this film is that it is a reboot. It is the start of a new era of Godzilla films and it ignores all other Godzilla films before it, with the exception of the original 1954 Gojira film. So basically the continuity, like the continuity of the Millennium series can get a little, can get a little hairy and I'm gonna, you know, do an overall era episode on the Millennium series after I cover all of the Millennium series, uh, Godzilla films. And I'll go into far more detail with it than, than what I'm about to, but basically the continuities that we have for Godzilla is they all always start with the original 1954 Gojira with the exception of the MonsterVerse Godzillas. And I'm strictly talking about Toho produced Godzilla films right now. So they all pretty much start with the 1954 Gojira. And then you have the Showa era, which goes on, you know, well into the 70s. Then the return of Godzilla comes out in 1984. It ignores all Showa era Godzilla films with the exception of 1954. So then it would be 1954 uh, Gojira, then the return of Godzilla, and then the rest of the Heisei. That's its own separate continuity. 
So then along comes this film and confuses things even more because <laughs> this film ignores everything and it's pretty much like the 1954 film and then this film. They are connected to one another. The very next Millennium film that comes out, which is Godzilla vs. Megaguirus, it is not connected to Godzilla 2000. Even though they literally used the same exact suit that they used in Godzilla 2000, it is not connected to Godzilla 2000 at all. So it would be 1954 Gojira and Godzilla 2000 are in a continuity. Then 1954 and Godzilla vs. Megaguirus is in its own separate continuity. Along comes um, Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters, All Out Attack. Same exact thing. Ignores Godzilla 2000 as well as Megaguirus and is considered to be a direct sequel to the 1954 film. The only films in the Millennium series that are connected to each other are the next ones that came out which would be Godzilla against Mechagodzilla, which ignores the other three that came before it. It's considered a direct sequel to the 1954 film. And then its sequel, called Godzilla uh, Tokyo SOS, it is a sequel to Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. So that, though, that is the those are the only two Millennium films that are connected to one another. And it can actually be viewed as a trilogy to where it would be the original film, then Godzilla against Mechagodzilla, and then Tokyo SOS. It is viewed as its own separate trilogy continuity of films. And then the final film of the Millennium series comes out, which was Godzilla Final Wars, which also ignores all the other Millennium series uh, of films and is considered a direct sequel to the 1954 uh, film. So... You guys got all that? Like, I know that was a mouthful. And, um, you know, the, there's going to be a pop quiz next week. <laughs> Just message me for your little quiz and, you know, I'll ask you some questions and we'll see see how well your knowledge is <laughs> and all of that. Um, you know, I kind of halfway say that as a joke, but if y'all do want to participate in that, by all means, message me and I'll, I'll give y'all a pop quiz. <laughs> so, yeah, the, uh, the Millennium Series is very confusing. It's very... It's a very weird era of Godzilla films, but many, many people consider the Millennium series to be the strongest era of Godzilla films because they were not tied down to continuity. Every single time a new film would come out, they were able to pretty much change the rules over and over again and come up with new stuff and all of that. I mean, this film has what it has. Pretty much the only Millennium series film that I don't necessarily hear a lot of positive things being talked about it, because quite frankly, it's just not that good, is Godzilla vs. Megaguirus, uh, which is the second film in the Millennium series. Like, all the other ones, I've, I've heard a, a good deal of positive things about them from fans. So, uh, yeah, the Millennium series is a very strong entry in the Godzilla franchise, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. Now, I know I really went off the rails there, went down the rabbit holes, I like to say, but let's get back to it. So, special effects for the film. This film, unfortunately, is caught in between two eras of filmmaking for Japan. Japan had, you know, they were very rooted in tradition whenever it came to kaiju films in using the miniature sets and suitmation and practical effects and all of that kind of stuff. But because of the time 
the time period that we were getting into, CGI was becoming a very, very, very popular thing in movie making. And so Toho decided they were going to try and <clears throat> uh, try their hand with the CGI com computer generated images for this film, and it did not work out for them. There, don't get me wrong, there are some parts of this where the CGI looks pretty good. You, you know, just downright decent. There are other parts that was like, how did they, how did that get past editing? Like, <laughs> like that is, that is horrible. Probably the most horrible to me, in my own personal opinion, the most horrible, <clears throat> um, CGI special effect, whatever scene of the film is whenever Godzilla is just prior to him facing off against the UFO, uh, for the first time. And he emerges from the water and he's like walking on the beach and you can tell that they had filmed that it was a background and that they had filmed Godzilla walking on with a green screen behind him. And whenever they inserted Godzilla into the frame, God, it just, it looks horrible. Like, <laughs> I mean, like he's not, <clears throat> it's one of those deals to where the image is not, it's not stationary. So it looks like he's constantly like kind of sliding, like as he's walking, his feet are not making the right kind of connection with the ground and all of that. And it just, it looked terrible. And there's a few explosions that take place and all of that kind of stuff. But Toho, you know, they did kind of like a good mix because there would be a good deal amount of scenes where they really focused on miniature sets and everything of him just going through the city and destroying this and destroying that and using practical effects. And whenever they do that, it looks awesome. It looks great. It looks like a return to form for Toho in doing what they do best, where they set the standard for suitmation. <clears throat> and then they, you know, the next scene, you'll see some, some actual CGI and all of that. And you just shake your head and like, why didn't y'all just go with practical effects throughout the entire, uh, the entire film. But you know, it is what it is. Um, the, this film is notable for, as far as a Toho produced film, I mean, of course, technically you could say still the very first Godzilla one, because the 1998 Godzilla is not Godzilla, that is Zilla, but we'll say, just for the sake of argument, that this is the very first Toho produced live action Godzilla film that features a full CGI rendered Godzilla. And that particular scene is whenever he's swimming underwater. Like, there's a scene where it just shows him kind of, you know, swim. It doesn't, like, it doesn't, he looks good. Like, the, the Godzilla looks good. It's just the motion that they gave him with him trying to swim. It just, it didn't, it didn't look too good. But, yeah, that's the very first fully CGI rendered uh, Godzilla that's ever been on screen. And his atomic breath also went through a change where in the past his atomic breath had always been either blue or white or bluish white, you know, just kind of a mixture between the two. Well, this one, he actually has orange atomic breath, which I've always thought that was a very good change. And whenever his dorsals glow, it's like it's, they're not just glowing for the sake of glowing, like they they heat up 
it appears. Like, we see that in the battle against the, uh, the UFO towards the climax of the film whenever he's been wrapped around uh, these cables or whatever they are that wrap around his dorsals and around his mouth that whenever he gets ready to fire, the heat generated from his dorsals actually snap the cables and then the heat from his mouth snaps the cable that was wrapped around his mouth. So it's not just a showy effect for his dorsals to glow in this particular movie. Like they could actually cause some damage and all of that. And I thought that that was very, very cool. And another little cool thing that I thought uh, would do is that whenever the suit actor, forgive me for mispronouncing his uh, first name, uh, the suit actor for Godzilla, which was Sutomo, I believe, Kitagawa, um, just before he goes to fire his atomic breath, he does like this little head whip like thing to where almost like he's charging it up and he has to like get his head into a certain position or whatever to really fire the atomic breath, making it seem as if that this atomic breath is more powerful than the atomic breaths that we have seen in the past. Like that Godzilla actually has to like throw his head into the blast or something like that to do it. I, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Like, I just, I, I like it. It's a, it's a nice little detail. Now, uh, the bad guys of the film is Toho went back to a tried and true, um, method of going with aliens and the, the, pretty much the main bad guys of the film is a UFO and then Orca. Now, <clears throat> the UFO, I, I've always just found it to be kind of annoying. I'm like, eh, whatever, you know, get off screen. Orga, <clears throat> uh, the fans have a love-hate relationship with Orga. Orga is the name of the kaiju that Godzilla battles in at the end of the film. Orga is never actually stated in the, in the film that that's his name, but that is officially the name of the kaiju. It is Orga, O-R-G-A, Orga. And, um... The species that these aliens are uh, is called Millennials, and they came to Earth thousands or millions of years ago, or whatever you know, whatever it was. And uh, they lay dormant. Then they came up. They wanted to. They want to make Earth their own. And they see Godzilla. They immediately become interested in him, and they want to create a clone of him. And that's what Orga ends up being and, you know, becoming more of whenever he tries to quote unquote eat Godzilla. And we see him starting to grow dorsal fins and all of that before Godzilla does his nuclear pulse attack that he does and just completely incinerates Orga. But, um, <clears throat> which by the way, I was, I was very, very, very beside myself in theaters and it looked like Orga was about to eat Godzilla, and I'm 11 years old and a diehard Godzilla fan. And whenever uh, <laughs> Godzilla was in Orga's mouth, I was I was I was about to I was about to come come unglued. Like I I know I am not about to sit here and watch Godzilla get eaten alive. Like you know, like I was mm -mm -mm, nope nope nope. But um, yeah, we're all worked out in uh well in Godzilla's favor, not necessarily for Orga, but yeah, I like Orga. Um, whenever I would play video games like Godzilla Unleashed, uh, some of the games that came out in the early 2000s and all of that, I really enjoyed, uh, first of all, my main kaiju that I would always play with was King Ghidorah, because he's my favorite kaiju from, uh, Toho. 
And then I would always play with this Millennium version of Godzilla. And then I would also play with Orga a good deal. And I really liked playing with Mechagodzilla 3, which was uh, Kiryu from Godzilla against Mechagodzilla and Tokyo SOS. But uh, yeah, like um, I, I remember always having an argument with uh, one of my friends that I went to high school with because he was also a... Uh, uh, he liked watching the Godzilla movies and playing the games, but he wasn't as big into Godzilla as I am. And whenever I say he liked watching the movies, I mean he liked watching the Heisei era films. He could not stand the Showa era films, and he did not like the vast majority of the Millennium uh, series of films. So there was a constant, a constant argument between me and him about which Godzilla was superior the Heisei version of Godzilla or the Millennium version of Godzilla. And a lot of times, you know, just uh, teenagers being teenagers is like, we'll settle this in the game, you know? <laughs> like, and, uh, we, we would go to play the game and I would pick the Millennium Godzilla. He would pick the Heisei Godzilla and we would duke it out. Sometimes he won, sometimes I won. But, you know, it is what it is. <clears throat> so, whenever this film was released, there were two different dubs, English dubs of the film that was done because Toho did their own dub. First of all, they, they pretty much always do their own dub first. And <clears throat> uh, Sony and TriStar was going to distribute the film. And whenever they heard the dub that was done before, they just didn't like it. They didn't like the quality of it. So they decided they were going to do their own dub. And they quote unquote Americanized Godzilla 2000 Millennium and just simply changed the title to Godzilla 2000. But they didn't Americanize it in the way that they've um, that Americans have Americanized other Godzilla films, where they added scenes and added actors and all that. Really, all they did was just cut a few scenes to kind of help the pacing of the film. A new score was written. They kept some of the other scores that were in there and just kind of rearranged it a little bit. They rearranged a few scenes here and there, but really that's all they did. And then they just dubbed it and all that. They really made the dub more tongue in cheek, like some fairly cheesy, um, you know, just not very good lines. Uh, they used a line, uh, from Patton whenever they're talking about the new missiles that were done. And it said that, uh, these missiles will go through Godzilla, like crap goes through a, a goose. Um, you know, there was more cursing that was added in the American dub versus what was in the original uh, Godzilla film. I mean, the original Japanese version and all of that. So, you know, just with the way a dub can ruin a movie, it really can. And I'm not going to lie. I don't care for either dub of this version of the uh, of the film. Now, there are some dubs that I find to be superior to the Japanese version, but that's strictly for my own personal reasons. A lot of times nostalgia has uh, something major to do with that. But, um, yeah, as far as this film is concerned, uh, the, the original Japanese version is definitely the superior version. And, uh, last but not least, there was going to be a sequel to this film, a direct sequel that was going to be an American-made movie that was going to be done by Sony and TriStar. Um, it was going to be called Godzilla Reborn, and it was going to take place in Hawaii, and it was going to have Godzilla, this exact incarnation of Godzilla, going head-to-head -head against a 
lava monster that resembled a bat, and the the name of the creature was going to be Miba. M-I-B-A. It's either Miba or Maiba. We'll say Miba. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much uh, what it was going to be. Toho actually approved it and said, yes, let's make that happen, and we'll let TriStar, because TriStar was under contract to be able to make two other Godzilla films before 2003, I believe. But um, they they just couldn't find funding for it. And nobody nobody bit, because basically they, everyone was like, we remember what happened the last time. Tristar made a Godzilla film, and it was horrible. We're not allowed, we're not going to, no, we're not giving you our money to make that trash. And so it just, it never materialized, and that's, you know, that's a shame. I would have liked to have seen an American version of this incarnation of Godzilla in Hawaii doing battle against a lava bat monster. I think that would have been really, really, really cool. So, all right, guys. That pretty much does it for Godzilla 2000 Millennium, or as it's better known as, Godzilla 2000. So, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, you know, I, I watched the film just prior to doing this. I had not seen the movie in like a good 10 years. I had forgotten how much I really, really enjoyed the film. Um, if you haven't seen it in a long time, by all means, go watch it. I definitely recommend watching the Japanese version. Uh, which is available on Blu-ray. Uh, if you get it on Blu-ray, <clears throat> like it just it, you've got the the dubbed version or the Japanese version. Uh, however, the <laughs> the only problem is the Japanese version does not have subtitles already built into it, pretty much, and so you would have to turn on just the regular closed captioning on your uh, Blu-ray player or something like that in order to understand what they're saying. So, alrighty guys, that does it for Godzilla 2000. Uh, before I say what I'm going to be doing next week, you know, always go check me out on all of my social medias, Facebook and Instagram and all of that kind of stuff. On Instagram, I'm Cal the Kaiju Guy with an underscore in between each word. Uh, on Facebook, I am Kaiju Carnage, a Godzilla slash King Kong podcast, and I have another Facebook page that is simply called Godzilla Ultima that is named after the singular point. Godzilla, both of those Facebook pages, the profile picture has been changed to a picture of Akira Takarada um, in honor of him, and that's probably going to stay that way for probably about a week or so. So, uh, yeah, just go look for the Kaiju page with an Akira Takarada um, <clears throat> uh, profile picture, and there's a pretty good chance that that's me. And I don't know who the individual is that left me a review on Apple Podcasts, uh, the name was Mr. Sirius. Uh, you left me a five-star review. I very much appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, on that note, if you have not left me any reviews on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anything like that, please go do so because the higher review, the higher and more reviews that a podcast gets, the higher chance it has to pop up in a Google search or something like that. Like if somebody wants to listen to a good Godzilla podcast and they just type in Godzilla podcasts or Kaiju podcasts or something like that. If my show has a good deal amount of ratings and reviews and all of that, it can be one of the top ones that pop up because, uh, b simply because of the good reception that it's gotten and all of that. So if you haven't left me a review yet, I mean, a rating or review, please go do so. I would very much appreciate it. And so now next week, 
the very first episode I'm going to be doing by request from my number one fan, Lil Noah from Switzerland. Um, he's, he's left me a good deal amount of, uh, of voicemails and all of that saying how happy he is that I decided to do this particular episode. Um, couldn't say no. You know, I had planned on doing this episode one day in the future, but just with how enthusiastic he is about the podcast and all the kind words he always has to say about me and all of that kind of stuff, I couldn't, I couldn't very well just say no to this. So next week, a week from today, at the time of this recording, I will be doing the anime TV show, uh, the only season that's been done so far, season one, on Godzilla Singular Point. Um... Depending on how much stuff is out there as far as like production and design and all of that, this may end up becoming like, you know, doubled up as a review episode. Uh, you know, I don't know. But whatever. I'm going to talk about Godzilla Singular Point. Um, I'm going to attempt to re-watch it prior to, um, to doing the episode. I had watched it whenever it first premiered. I did not have a very positive outlook on the TV show overall. But that could have something to do with it was something that I thought it it wasn't what I thought it was or something like that. So, you know, knowing what it is now and knowing what to expect, I'm, I'm going to go give it a shot again. And maybe I'll have a different outlook on it. But nonetheless, no matter what, there are two things about the show I absolutely loved. Three things about the show that I absolutely loved. One, Godzilla Ultima. Fantastic design. Angiris from the show, fantastic design, loved it as well, as well as the opening theme song and the, you know, animation that goes with it and all that kind of stuff. I was a big fan of the opening theme song. So congratulations, Noah. You were my very first listener to full-blown get a requested episode out of me. And if you guys want to uh, potentially get requested episodes as well done by saying, hey, could you do this or something like that, or if you want to be featured in the episode at all with who your favorite kaiju is or anything like that, then, you know, by all means, uh, shoot me a message or go on the website, kaijucarnage.org, leave me a voicemail, let me know who your favorite kaiju is or anything like that, and I will definitely uh, talk about it on my next show, which, by the way, I almost forgot. I asked Noah who his favorite kaiju is, and he answered me his favorite kaiju is the best kaiju, the original one, the one that kickstarted it all, none other than King Kong. So congratulations, Noah. You and I are both on Team Kong. And, uh, you know, more power to all the King Kong fans. All you Godzilla fans can go hide under a rock. Like <laughs> I'm playing, guys. I I've got mad love for Big G as well, obviously. But, um, you know, it's just a fun little rivalry and all that. So, yeah, Noah's favorite kaiju is King Kong. Same as mine. So, you know, congratulations, Noah, on that. <laughs> We're Team Kong. So, alrighty, guys. Next week, Godzilla Singular Point. Hope you tune in. Go leave me a rating or review if you haven't done so already. And like me, follow me on my social medias and all that. And we'll catch you all next week for Singular Point. This is Cal the Kaiju Guy signing out.